Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 74 with Keith Edwards and Jody Jessup Anger. Uh, This episode is about uh, sexual assault, sexual violence, uh, and the prevention of that, uh, which is the focus of their uh, recently released monograph through ACPA um, about moving beyond compliance and how student affairs professionals uh, can pick up the mantle of uh, working to prevent these things from happening to our students, how we can support them, um, and really looking at sexual violence as a social justice issue. Um, it's really great stuff, a fantastic resource. I know you'll um, get a lot out of it, and you'll uh, get a lot out of this episode. Uh, just some great insights from Keith and Jody, so really grateful for uh, their time to talk about this monograph, how it came to be, and uh, just their thought process of how it uh, came together. So really great stuff, really awesome episode. I will not delay it any longer. Uh, after this quick word about our sponsor, this is episode number 74 uh, with Keith and Jody. All right. And before we get into the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the National Center for Student Life, which hosts the National Conference on Student Leadership coming up next November 19th to the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Since 1978, NCSL has trained thousands of students and advisors in heart-centered, values-based leadership skills designed to help drive transformative change within the individual. And I've personally spoken at NCSL for the past five years, and I've seen firsthand how the NCSL conference helps students and advisors apply learning to address real challenges both on their campus and in their community through the NCSL Call to Action program. NCSL truly brings together the country's best leadership presenters into one place to give both the students and advisors a life-changing experience. And I'm always, I'm always blown away at the level of value received from their conferences. Also, I should note that NCSL was the first to offer students the opportunity to earn a digital badge to document their leadership development. So if you're looking for a national leadership conference to attend, I highly, I can't highly more recommend checking out NCSL at nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. That's nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. With that, let's get this show on the road. So yeah, so I'm, I'm curious how are uh, both of your summers, I don't know what you all have been up to, uh, if you've had uh, time for vacations or anything, and I, I assume you've probably been hard at work on this uh, monograph and probably other things, but uh, what have you all been up to for the summer? Well, I got the chance to take a little vacation. I've got two kids, I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, and we went to California, um, and my husband joined us as well. And aside from that, I've just been working on this monograph, a couple other projects, and uh, I also taught an online class for the first time. Oh, we put, cool. We put our practicum class online. So that was, it was my first foray into online learning as a faculty member, and I had never been an online learner as a student either. So. Yeah. Well, as, as like a Cliff's Note version, was that like a, a good experience for you? Did you feel like you kind of learned a lot from doing it that way? Oh, I learned a tremendous amount. And next year will definitely be better. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, Keith, what about you? I made the decision to leave my role as Director of Campus Life at McAllister College at the end of May and then uh, follow that up with a two-week-long 
family vacation in Hawaii. So that was pretty great at kind of letting me let go of that experience and move into a new role doing speaking and consulting. And um, other than that, I've been doing some travel and getting some things organized for the fall and helping some other schools with some diversity training and some sexual violence prevention and mm -hmm. trying to move, move this project along as well. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like a full and fun summer for both of you. So that's great. Um, yeah, so I will kind of transition now. You, you were kind of uh, leading a little bit into your introduction there, Keith. So we'll start with you. Um, sure. We'll start as we always do, just kind of giving uh, your short version of, uh, you know, your, your story and how you got to be where you are today. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know if I can do a short version of that. Um, no, I was a my role in, in higher ed got started in student affairs as an, as an RA. Uh, I did my master's degree at Colorado State and then worked in residence life at the University of Delaware. I did my doctoral work at the University of Maryland and then was the director of campus life at McAllister College for the past eight years. Um, and in that role, I did all sorts of things, and including sexual violence prevention work. Um, been doing that nationally and speaking on campuses and helping campuses with that for the past 15 plus years. Uh, and then my role at McAllister in, in other roles, I've done sexual violence prevention, adjudication, investigation, um, and, and lots of other things. And so that's how I've kind of come to some of this work. Sure. Awesome. And I just got to give a quick shout out to University of Delaware. I was uh, perusing <laughs> your LinkedIn. I saw that I, you were there before my time there as a, right. as a student. But um, that was just really kind of funny little. Yeah, no, that was my there. first job out of grad school. And it was a wonderful learning experience for me. I gained a lot. Um, and I met some wonderful people who I'm still very close to today. So yeah. it's a, it, it was a great place for me at a great time in my, my professional journey. Yeah, yeah. I love it there. Of course, it's my undergrad institution, so I sort of have that special connection. But um, oh. yeah, that's awesome. So uh, yeah, Jody, just kind of give your short story as well, just so we can kind of get your introduction there. Sure, absolutely. Um, I cut my teeth in student affairs doing victim assistance work. Um, in graduate school, I uh, became really interested. I was a hall director, and I became really interested in the experiences of students in my building who had been sexually assaulted. And so I uh, did a practicum experience at um, the Office of Women's Programs and Studies at Colorado State. And then um, they had a position open, and so I became a coordinator of victim assistance, mm -hmm. um, was there for about six years, and then left, to, left there for Michigan State to do my doctorate. And um, while at Michigan State, kind of moved away from victim assistance and, and violence education work for a while, but as um, with the idea that I would return to it, because I, I, when I was um, studying um, at Michigan State, I was really curious about how to build environments that best support student growth and development. And clearly, a violence-free environment is part of that. And so. Um, after I graduated, I became a faculty member at Marquette University and I've been here for six years. Awesome. Yeah, so it's really neat to hear that this is uh, a topic for today about sexual violence prevention, just like uh, encouraging healthy relationships for our students. Uh, you both have a lot of experience in that, uh, you know, working with that for campuses. So um, I'm curious just because uh, sort of what we're focusing on, I guess, is sort of a conversation starter is uh, this monograph that's coming out. Um, just to give people some background, how did this come to be in the first place? And this is sort of like a, uh, you know, a, a big thing. It's obviously a, a huge topic for, uh, you know, campuses and institutions all over the country. They're, they're you know, they're all thinking about it. Um, so how did this sort of individual thing come to be? And how did your involvement, I guess, kind of come into it as well? Is it, yeah, Keith, if you want to start. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, when Ken Porterfield became the president of ACPA, he was trying to identify 
some strategic priorities for the association during his time at president. And uh, one of the first things that he did um, with uh, Cindy Love, who's the executive director of the ACPA, mm-hmm. is put a call for a, a presidential task force in sexual violence prevention in higher education. And usually when professional associations do a call like that, they don't get a lot of responses, and then they have to reach out and twist some arms and get a few people enough to serve on these task forces right. and then do good work. Um, this was very different. They got 162 uh, nominations for people to serve on this task force, which is unprecedented response. Mm-hmm. So I think it really shows the, the energy around this topic and people who wanted to really be involved and move this forward and, and further the good work that's happening on campuses. Um, so instead of accepting all the people who nominated, they had to uh, make some selections. So they selected a steering committee of 14 people, and they asked Jody and I to co-chair that group. Um, the group um, began meeting uh, monthly over the phone last July and met um, in person for uh, three days last August in Washington, D.C. Um, and so that's how the group came together. And I just want to add one of the really important things about the group is that we came together from a variety of different experiences. And so there were folks on that steering committee who um, did most of their work in student conduct. There were folks who were researchers, faculty members, as well as folks who um, had done research on victims' experiences and um, you know the, the best ways to support victims, also peer educators. And so we really came at this issue from multiple vantage points, which I think is really important in terms of the final product in the, um, in the monograph. I think that folks who will read the monograph will see that there, um, there's a lot of different um, areas of expertise that are represented, that it's not taken from a singular uh, focus, that, that certainly there's multiple, um, multiple uh, focuses that have come um, I- into the monograph. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's um, uh, just taking a look at it, I feel like this is going to be such like a valuable resource for um, professionals all over the country to check out. And another quick shout out, I saw that uh, Dr. Ruth Ann Koenig is uh, involved in that. I went to grad school at Rutgers, and uh, she was a strong presence there for doing this kind of work. So um, she's she's incredible. She's awesome. And it was just really cool to see her name attached to this. But um, so what I saw a lot in um, document is the focus on um, a holistic approach. And even just in the title, um, it says beyond compliance and things. So I'm, I'm curious where, um, in terms of maybe just if that was something you brought forward, or maybe that was just how ACB wanted to do it from the beginning. How did that focus on the holistic approach come about? Because I, I think it is a really uh, positive, refreshing and empowering way to um, kind of steer the conversation about uh, this topic. I think the approach really came from our varying perspectives. I think from the beginning, uh, we had the uh, system's perspective in terms of addressing sexual violence on campus, meaning that um, that we needed to look more than at response, that we really needed to look at prevention, and we also needed to look at the societal roots, misogyny, sexism, um, the pervasive myths that um, surround sexual violence on campus. You know, there's always a tendency toward victim blaming. Mm -hmm. And so I think that both Keith and I um, brought to to our leadership in the task force is that we really wanted to make um, a holistic, uh, take a holistic approach, but it was really the folks around the table who um, brought their different experiences, brought their different vantage points um, 
that that helped that um, that holistic approach and the 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 focus on prevention come alive. Yeah, and I think that um, it was really reassuring to me that when the group came together, this notion of framing sexual violence as a social justice issue was was really broadly accepted and understood by the group, and we really kind of rallied around that, and then moved forward from there to talk about this prevention. Um, there's so much focus on compliance and response right now from government and media um, that we really wanted to take that attention and leverage that to focus on prevention, um, which is really what we all want. We want to prevent this from happening. We don't want to just be better at responding to it. We want to prevent assaults from happening and sexual violence of all kinds from happening. And I think the other thing that, that kind of came uh, further along in discussions is that we really want sexual violence prevention and response to be grounded in student affairs work. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a number of us who are concerned that it's becoming the task of attorneys or it's becoming the task of consultants or that it's becoming the task of others um, who don't really bring that holistic approach. And if you've ever been involved uh, in any way in um, prevention, which is really complicated uh, and when you're talking about socialization and policies and media and human behavior and, and consent mm -hmm. and college culture and alcohol and other drug use. We really have to have a really broad approach when we're thinking about prevention. But even the response, when you're involved, whether you're supporting a survivor, whether you're investigating, whether you're adjudicating, whether you're revising policies, you really have to bring an understanding of how administration works and complexity and budgets, politics. You have to know how to support a human being who's going through maybe one of the most traumatic experiences of their life. You have to understand the legality of all of this. You have to understand human development. You have to understand consent. You have to understand federal, state, and campus policies. You have to understand campus conduct processes. You have to understand how to help people um, move through a traumatic experience towards some kind of a healing process. You have to talk about learning. And so um, really student affairs people are the ones best positioned to, to hold all of that. Um, we have very unique training um, broadly to hold all of those processes. And if someone only brings a legal perspective, they're going to lose a lot of the ability to support and healing and learning and the complexity and all of those things. So we're, we really wanted to ground sexual violence prevention and response on college campuses as student affairs work, because I think we really bring a lot to that. Um, and we want to make the case that how valuable that holistic approach was. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is what... Uh, I've seen and heard a lot, and I uh, imagine, I guess, it'd be similar, especially for, for you, Keith, that, that you've sort of, uh, you know, spoken and help help people, like, doing, you know, doing presentations and the things that you do. Um, what I've seen a lot is that, like, it is that so many people get so, like, afraid or anxious about the mention of this because it is all on compliance, and they're just worried, as they are with many other things, about liabilities and getting sued and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I guess just maybe just some insight on that of maybe that helped uh, inform that just from your personal experience of like anecdotes, I guess. Is that what you sort of saw a lot of like people kind of being really fearful and anxious about just like this thing, which I guess maybe they don't maybe not even fully understand about, you know, uh, you know, sexual violence prevention. Like yeah. I said. No, I think that's a real challenge. And I think that um, there's a lot of good intentions behind um, media response on this issue and the federal response on this issue. Um, one of the unintended consequences um, is this culture of fear that it has created. I mean, those of us who've been working on this issue for a long time, 
Um, you know, you mentioned Ruth Ann Koenig. She's been working on this for over 40 mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Um, makes me sound like someone who's new to this. And it was really wonderful to have people with um, her perspective. And Connie Kirkland was another member of our task force who's been working on policy uh, on this for a number of years, a number of decades. And many of us have said, you know, we just wish this issue would finally get the attention it deserves. And now it's got the attention it deserves. And there's some downside to that. Um, Leah Burdett Williams wrote a piece for the Inside Higher Education about why she left student affairs because this issue was completely overwhelming her role as a dean of students. And not just this issue, but the outside attention and criticism made it impossible for her really to do the other aspects of her job and made supporting students, making fair, good, quality decisions through this process and supporting her staff next to impossible um, given the scrutiny that, that people are under. And I think it's a real challenge for us to navigate through this. We obviously can't all walk away from this. Otherwise, who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. um, but I certainly understand that perspective. And having done adjudication and having done investigations, um, and even doing prevention work isn't under a great amount of scrutiny um, right now. You know, NPR just did a story um, about the, the high cost of prevention, um, which I, I think is a little bit silly given... <laughs> the high cost of sexual violence, um, which is really the high cost. But um, I think that we've got to function under this, and we've got to, as a profession, do a much better ed job of educating the media and educating lawmakers around this. Um, you know, when lawmakers say that campus process, campuses have no process in place to deal with sexual violence, that's just not true. I mean, perhaps there are some campuses where that's true, but for the most part, there are processes in place. Now, could they be better? For sure. Could they improve? For sure. But we're currently under the climate where, where when a case comes up, there are a lot of student affairs professionals who go running because they don't, they're afraid they're going to end up in the Chronicle of Higher Education. They're afraid they're going to end up in a scathing news article in the Huffington Post. They're afraid they're going to be involved in a five-year lawsuit. They're afraid that their campus is going to be wrapped up in an Office of Civil Rights um, investigation that took seven years to resolve. And... Um, I worry that that is scaring away some of the best people who can help students, that can adjudicate fairly, they can investigate these, that can put good policies in place, that can put good prevention work in place from doing that. Um, it's, a, it's a big concern, I think. Yeah. But we can't, we can't go running from it. We have to engage in this. Um, and uh, I think to, to a great extent, we wanted the monograph to really push student affairs and give people the capacity to really engage in this and give them some language um, to make the case about why student affairs professionals can do this and how we can do this and, and to shape, not just respond to the national landscape, but begin to shape the national landscape. Yeah, absolutely. And if people were getting bummed out by that because they're like, yeah, before you live, like, yeah, I think this monograph is very helpful. And that's what I love about it is that it, it, it's like, it feels so relevant and uh, kind of, like I said, empowering and just has this uh, different viewpoint on it that just really like clicked for me when I, um, when I read through it. So, um, it's definitely, uh, definitely a great resource. Um, Jody just, and I feel like just to kind of frame that we've talked a lot about kind of the big points of it. Is there sort of just a line or a point or a, a concept that, um, when professionals are reading this, you hope is sort of a big takeaway? Um, yeah, just anything for that, Jody, I guess that you, you kind of can think of. Absolutely. Um, I would say one of the takeaways that I would like folks to get from the monograph is that really every level at the institution must be committed to addressing sexual violence on campus. I think that historically it's often been relegated to an office or worse yet a person 
And um, that time, I think, is gone. And for better or for worse, I think that Keith um, addressed some of the downsides of the national attention that sexual violence has gotten um, in the last couple of years. But I think that there is also an upside in that um, I think that folks are realizing that, that, that the issue is complex and that there's no area of the institution that it doesn't touch. And so mm-hmm. it's incumbent upon us as student affairs professionals, as faculty who prepare student affairs professionals to ensure that, that um, you know, our graduates really have an understanding of what sexual violence is, what sexual violence prevention is, what appropriate good practice is in response to sexual violence on campus, and that it really needs to um, be addressed at every level of the institution, meaning that resources need to be garnered from senior administrators. They certainly need to champion the cause, as well as um, that really everybody involved in the student affairs work on campus needs to have an understanding of, of good practice. and and also the resources that are availed to students um, in order for you know both adjudication to happen but also for healing to happen and that, and that those two things aren't don't always coincide um, but they definitely both need to be there. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, Keith, I guess anything else, like a yeah. big takeaways, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, we mentioned before framing sexual violence as a social justice issue. I think that's a really important point to take away. Certainly resonates with uh, folks through ACPA, but I think beyond student affairs and, and, and others, missing that is, a, is missing a critical part of it. How the culture influences this, the intersecting identities. Uh, we know this affects people of all genders, all sexual orientations, all racial and ethnic groups, and, and, those, those, and, and particularly affects people who experience oppression at greater rates than people who don't. So really understanding the social justice implications. The other thing I think is that the, how can we leverage the national media attention and the national government attention and state attention on response and prevention to focus and provide resources on prevention on campus. I, I am fully supportive that campuses need to do a better job at responding and adjudicating sexual violence. I completely agree with that. But even if we were perfect at that and we didn't do prevention, we would always be responding to sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And prevention is the only way we get to actually stopping violence from happening in the first place. And, um, you know, it, 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 prevention is complicated. It, it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach. And it certainly isn't um, salacious and, um, and, and maybe doesn't get clicks and sell newspapers. It maybe isn't easy, um, an easy thing for politicians to rally behind. Um, but our job as student affairs educators is to really educate everyone on campus so that sexual violence happens less and we move towards a place where it doesn't happen at all. Um, and so I, I hope that the monograph, uh, what we intended the monograph to do was help people who, to give language to that and frame that for decision makers and also provide a lot of support and a lot of helpful tools to make sure that people um, can kind of audit what they're doing and saying, we're doing a great job here and here, but oh, we've kind of missed on that. That's a good reminder that we need to put um, some energy around that um, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just to, yeah, just to further emphasize what you're saying, just the, you know, it's, um, you know, this issue, it, it impacts all of our students and it needs all of the institution support. Cause I know just a line that I've, uh, kind of kept coming up to my brain is this like, you know, the budgets and where you're putting resources and things really is what it is embodying your values is that, um, you know, you can give a lot of lip service to things, um, 
but you kind of have to put the resources and the energy and the emphasis on it um, through, you know, the entire organization getting on board. And um, yeah, I don't know. it's again, yeah. it's, it's, it's because again, like I, I sort of had like a, you know, I, I sort of had that sort of compliance fear before, but again, like I said, this, how this is framed. And like you said, it, this is such like a good resource and checklist and um, something to kind of get people engaged in the topic in a different way. It's um, yeah, it's just really powerful. So hopefully people get all those takeaways uh, from yeah. it when they check it out. I, th- I think what's really difficult about this is it's really hard to count the sexual violence that you prevent from happening. Right. It's really hard to, to count the rapes that didn't happen because of the education that you've done. It's really hard to prevent, to count the number of students who retain and persisted at your institution because they didn't experience sexual harassment. Um, it is easier to count the reported sexual assaults. Now, all the sexual assaults and sexual violence that happens if it doesn't go reported is, is challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we do good work, it's kind of hard to notice and hard to quantify. And how many institutional resources are saved by good prevention work? Um, we have to believe that that's true, and we know that that's true, but it's it's not easily noticeable and easily countable. I also think that one of the tricky things is that when good prevention work is happening, that oftentimes there's a spike in reporting. And that's because students feel comfortable, you know, they know what the resources are and they feel comfortable accessing the resources. I remember early on in my um, time doing victim advocacy work, I talked to a mom who said, I'm really concerned about, you know, the high uh, sexual assault rate on your campus and I said well actually that's something that should comfort you because it means that the students who do um, you who are sexually assaulted or do experience sexual violence are finding mechanisms for uh, reporting that violence but I think that it's that's kind of hard to wrap your head around if you're just getting into or gaining an awareness of sexual violence on campus yeah, yeah I, I completely agree I mean I, I tell parents all the time I'm not so scared of a campus that has 10 or 12 or 25 reported sexual assaults. I'm petrified of a campus that said they had none last year. Because that means they have bad processes, the processes and the people aren't trusted, they aren't known about. That is, that's the campus that really scares me. Um, and, and I think we've got to reframe that. I, I think student affairs folks understand that. Mm-hmm. I think there are some institutional leaders beyond student affairs that maybe we need to really help them understand that. We certainly need to help parents understand that. And if we can get the national media to understand that, that will really be helpful in, in preventing and putting better resources, in, both in prevention and response. Yeah, that's a really good point to make of just the, the difficulty in sort of assessing the um, sort of the effectiveness of efforts in this space and um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure my, my scientific method, uh, terminology or not, but like sort of the false positives, like you're saying, of just like, like, Oh, well, the, the numbers are going down. It's like, well, that's not necessarily a good thing. Cause in any sort of conduct thing, it's like, you know, yeah. If it's like, yeah, well, nobody did anything wrong. It's like, I think people did something wrong. We just don't know about it sort of thing. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's good to have those, uh, that structure in place that, uh, things are being reported and also that they're being, uh, dealt with properly. So that's definitely a really good point to make. And uh, I'll start with uh, uh, with you, Keith, on this one. So we'll have uh, you know this monograph available in the show notes for this episode, and people will read it. And I don't know if just for um, this group or uh, what. I don't know how you, how you sort of would frame it. What's next? Like where where does this go from here? Because this will get out into the world. People will read it. I don't know if there's. Uh, further structured efforts on your part or on your part or others that's going to kind of keep this going or what, but, um, what's, what's next after this? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the work of the task force really was to make recommendations to the ACPA leadership about what to do. And that really wrapped up with a presentation to the uh, ACPA governing board before convention last year in March, and then a finalized report to the, to the ACPA leadership um, a couple weeks after that convention. Um, what we called for in that report has, that work has continued on with many of folks who are part of the task force continuing to do that. So the monograph is really um, taking the report we made to the board and the ACPA leadership and we've added content, we've added specific and concrete learning goals and outcomes, we've added specific uh, professional competencies around response and policy and prevention and adjudication, we've added concrete steps for institutional leaders to take and, and how to really lead at the, the senior levels of an institution. Um, and I think that will all provide kind of a, we're hoping to create kind of an audit so people can say, yes, we're doing great here, we're doing okay here, we can do better. We just haven't touched that at all in kind of all levels of this, so we can really be comprehensive in our response. Um, we're also working on a, uh, so the monograph is out, and I, I hope that will be a great resource. Uh, there's a group of folks who are working on uh, creating a commission on sexual violence prevention and response within ACPA. It's just an opportunity for people who are doing this work to come together and get support. Right now, there's there's for-profit entities out there that people are going to. They're, they're going to conduct, but that doesn't really cover all of the aspects of it. They're going to other places. And we really have an opportunity to provide a home for people to come together, provide resources, share access, uh, help each other learn, and be comprehensive about sexual violence prevention and response. We're also working on some sponsored scholarship opportunities, both to sponsor new research and new scholarship that can help inform prevention and response uh, on this issue, and also to um, uh, distribute good scholarship that has already been done, and oftentimes through master's theses and doctoral dissertations where good work has been done, it just hasn't gotten out there. Mm -hmm. So how can we support the distribution of that? Um, and then the last thing that I'm thinking of is that we're also working on an institute that we hope will be an annual institute through ACPA on sexual violence prevention and response, particularly through a social justice framework um, that will be very sequenced, very intentional, very thoughtful, that will help provide that. Um, members of the, the folks who, who wrote the, the monograph from the task force are doing a pre-conference at ACPA in Montreal at the beginning of March. So people can sign up and register for that right now. That'll be a full day um, taking what is in the monograph and really helping people apply that. Uh, ACPA just announced they're um, doing a Title IX uh, certification program with Peter Lake, who's a wonderful attorney and trainer on this issue, who really doesn't just bring an attorney's perspective. Uh, I sat in his session and expected to be very legalistic, and he was inspiring me to the point of tears about our integrity as institutions, our role, um, what we can do, um, our call as a profession. Uh, he really has a student affairs perspective with legal expertise, and I think that'll be a great, great training for people who have yet to get Title IX certified, and the opportunity to do that while you're already in Montreal, where you're already there for ACP, I think will be a, a really nice opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, Jody, like, if uh, I assume, I guess you're partaking in some of that stuff, kind of going for it. what else? I guess is sort of next for you, or where do you where do you hope all of this goes next? Maybe in just a broader sense. Yeah, I just um, I think I want to reiterate and maybe expand on Keith's point about ACPA really embracing um, its role as a home for sexual violence work. I think that you know when I was doing victim advocacy it was hard to find a home within student affairs because it is such a complex issue that um, that really includes conduct and includes 
uh, response and includes, um, you know, victim advocacy. And there was not really a there was not really a place where someone could bring all of those perspectives together and think about what is good practice. And I'm thrilled that ACPA has kind of stepped up and said we we want to be a home for sexual violence work on campus. And so I think you know the the formation of a commission will mean that multiple perspectives are honored and that we we think about what is good work when it comes to sexual violence prevention and response and and you know concurrent with that is the education and competency building and i think that that the the commission work um will partner with uh, graduate programs uh, that prepare student affairs professionals to see themselves as folks who are charged with doing this type of work and, and who have expertise on this work because, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's really student affairs professionals have the training and have the expertise to really make um, a difference in this area and to really provide a holistic approach. And I think that 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 we haven't realized that potential yet. And so that's that's what I'm excited about what's next is that is that we do that capacity building and ACPA offers itself as a home for that building yeah definitely um yeah and we'll link to um i'll find all the links and stuff for this or if any of you uh, just want to kind of send some of the stuff along i'll make sure to have links for the the pre-con and the um, certification institute and stuff mm-hmm. um and just as we start to wrap up um just some uh we'll start with you jody on this one um just some other resources that you might want to just kind of highlight uh books articles videos anything that kind of comes to mind um that we can share out in the show notes as well Absolutely. Well, the first is the monograph, right, that we've been talking about for this whole episode. And though it has not yet been released, it will be released um, very shortly. It's being copy edited and and beautified as we speak. And so that would be the first first resource that I would want to highlight. Within the monograph are other resources, and that includes some of the work that we've talked about uh, today. You know, ASCA has a gold standard paper that um, looks at uh, addressing sexual violence on campus. there's other work that that, we, that research that we drew from when we um, when we developed the monograph that uh, we have obviously a resource or a reference page uh, in addition to the resource page on that. So those are the things that I would really encourage the audience to um, to check out. Um, beyond that, um, certainly I would say continue to read about sexual violence on campus. This is not a static issue; it's very dynamic, and um, I think that the more that the Dear Colleague letter is unpacked, the more that the legislation moves forward, um, you know, the more that we're going to need to know about it. And so um, certainly Chronicle of Higher Education, Inside Higher Ed have a perspective, but also to in- make sure that, um, that folks are reading widely uh, mm-hmm. about the issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I like many of the things Jody pointed to. I think this is a real challenge, though. Uh, as she mentioned, the landscape is changing so quickly. I mean, for the past year, I've been speaking on this issue nationally. I've been doing this work on my campus. I've been involved with this task force and doing this work. So I've been really diligent about paying attention to all the news, all the new guidelines, all the new legislation that's coming up. And it is really hard to keep up with it. It is constantly changing. Every week there's two or three uh, court decisions that we have to consider, uh, documents from the Department of Justice or the Department of Education or the Office of Civil Rights. There are new things coming out from professionals. There's new research coming out. 
And as someone who this has been a real primary focus for me, it's been hard for me to keep up with. Mm. And so I think for, for others who, who maybe this is not the primary thing they're focused on, but a part of their role, it is really a challenge to keep up with that. And a real challenge, I think, as Jody was alluding to, there's a lot of junk out there on this topic. There's some really bad guidance. There's some, some not great research. There's some, some skewed perspectives. And being able to sort through that and find the good stuff, which is out there. I mean, we've included in the monograph about 15 resources that we recommend that we think are really helpful. Um, but as soon as the monograph is published, those are going to be outdated and new things will come along that are great. New things are coming along that are, are not so great. And um, it's, really, it's really challenging. And I, and I think that's probably why we're seeing some of this from medias and, and legislators is they're also having a hard time keeping up with the quality research, the quality thinking, the quality theory, the quality perspectives that are out there. Uh, so it's a real challenge keeping up with those resources, and I would encourage everybody to do the best they can and and, and turn to other resources for that. All right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's great. Just yeah, just to further emphasize, we'll pluck some stuff out of the uh, the monograph. But yes, it's like just really dig into that monograph because yeah, you've done uh, good diligent work to like stuff it to the brim with good stuff. So that's um, really helpful. And uh, we'll we'll end as we always do. Um, and Keith, we'll start with you. Um, you're just inc- some encouraging words, or just uh, what your final thoughts are on this topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I really am I'm proud of the monograph. I really think it will be helpful to people on campus. I think for for people who are worried about this issue and don't feel very knowledgeable and feel like this is new and kind of coming out of nowhere, I really hope the monograph will really help them. Uh, get up to speed very quickly on really good information around student learning and what those learning outcomes are, how the best pedagogy we can in terms of doing this, what professional competences are, so that it can provide good guidance and they can create unique perspectives and new, unique approaches on, on their college campus because one size fits all doesn't, but there are good things that people should be doing. So I really hope the monograph will be a, a helpful resource. And for those who have lots of experience on this issue and have been doing this work and, and maybe it's their full-time job, um, or maybe it's a personal connection. I really hope the monograph will kind of help them go, yep, yep, we're good here, we're good here, we're good here. Ooh, we've kind of let go of that one and really help them in, in sort of a checklist fashion make sure they're, they're doing everything to make sort of comprehensive approach. I think the other thing is just I'm really grateful um, to Jody for, for co-leading this group and to all the members of the task force. I learned a great amount from them and the many perspectives that Jody mentioned. And it was really rewarding, particularly on a topic as loaded for the, as this is for, for all of us, personally and professionally, that the group came together and had many different perspectives and many disagreements, but the focus was always on, we're going to disagree about this because we want this to be the best that we can do. The focus was always on how we move sexual violence prevention and response forward on college campus and how we can do the best of that. So even though we disagreed and had lots of different perspectives, the goal was always so that we can do the best work. And that is not always the case when you're working with a large group of passionate, knowledge-informed, engaged people, particularly around social justice. And it was just a really rewarding experience. I learned a ton, and I'm very grateful for the folks who put an inordinate amount of time, not just monthly phone calls, but a lot of reading, a lot of work, a lot of effort. Uh, it was really a rewarding experience, and I'm very grateful for all the folks who were, um, took time to be a part of it. Yeah. Jody? Yeah, I would echo what Keith said about the process, about the leadership. Um, Keith was certainly a good co-leader, and I think that we both brought different perspectives to the um, to the creation of the monograph. Um, and certainly the work of the task force was amazing. I think that everybody who was on it added something and can probably see themselves in the final product. Um, the other thing I would say is that, um, that 
really the monograph can serve as an invitation to enter the conversation from wherever a person is. And, and certainly Keith addressed folks who are just kind of um, beginning to understand issues of sexual violence on campus, um, as well as the seasoned professional um, who has done it for, you know, has done this work for a long time. Um, but I hope that, you know, anyone who reads the monograph can see that it's an issue that can't really be addressed in isolation, that the more that we can think holistically about prevention, about re response, and about recovery, um, and about each of these in, within kind of each of them, so, you know, that we think about recovery when we're responding, and that we think about recovery when we're preventing, um, it would be the, it would, the better. And so I, I am excited that, um, you know, that, that that national attention is being drawn to sexual violence on campus, and I hope that we can broaden um, folks' understanding to kind of this beyond compliance perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, with that, I mean, it's it's uh, really been great to kind of dig into this and help uh, share out this really uh, invaluable resource. And um, yeah, just thank you both for your time today to uh, chat about all of it. And thank you for your time that you put in to make this monograph a reality. And uh, I know it's going to make a really positive impact on professionals all across the country. So um, Keith, Jody, thank you again. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. <laughs>